So as we jump in this morning, we're starting a new message series. This is called The Culture of Honor. Culture of Honor. And, and, and I'm excited about this because I believe honor is something that's truly missing in our culture today. I, I, I mean, I, I just, uh, we don't have to back up very far. Like maybe back to uh, 2016, there was an election. I don't know if you heard about it. There was a front-runner Democrat. There was a front-runner Republican. Some of you remember this? It hasn't been that long ago, right? But it's not going to matter. The deal is, it, it doesn't matter who wins. Now, listen to me. Stay with me. It does. But it doesn't matter who wins when it comes to, to honoring because within three to five months, no matter who wins that election, our culture is so bent that we become critics of whoever it is in whatever they do. We have a problem in our culture today with authority, a major problem. We, we are now told that irregardless of how you want to do math, it is correct. If you feel like 2 plus 2 equals 5, it's okay because you feel that that's what it should be. Truth or untruths, whatever it may be. And we are called to honor that, to respect, to, to, to really implore our children to think how they want to think and, and to develop how they want to develop. And eventually they get to universities and they're told, hey, there, there's safe spaces over here just in case you feel dishonored. Maybe a little disillusioned. And, and, and we're, if we're not careful, what's happening is we continue to cater to this movement. I mean, we have the women. Women, I see you out there. And listen, there is nothing or anyone who honors you more than the Lord our God. I'm going to tell you that. It's not getting out there and pounding the streets and saying, we demand, we demand, we demand. You don't have to demand when, when you have a God that loves you and a church that instructs its men to honor you in the way that you are to be honored. Men, you feel dishonored, disrespected this morning, maybe by the spouse that's next to you. Look, it's, it's no wonder we're, we're created vessels to desire honor. We are created in that way because our God is a God of honor. And we are created in His image. And because we're created in the image of God, there is this characteristic, there's this innate trait that lies within us that says, I desire to be honored. It's not a bad desire that you wish for or that you want. It just may not take place in the ways, in the moments, in the eras that you want. See, see God has his ways of doing this you know in the church when we teach it's it's interesting to me because uh, weddings are stacking up on my calendar right now just happens that way right and and it won't be long I mean I'll be doing this in the next month or two and three and four and five it's what I do as a pastor and the Saturdays will roll along and I'll stand in front of a couple and I'll say some words I'll say will you take so-and-so to live together in holy marriage? Will you love her, honor, cherish her, forsaking all others as long as you both shall live? Will you do these things? And really, I can summarize that. We could have a very quick wedding with just one statement or maybe one question, and that question would be, will you honor? Period. Will you honor? 
And it's getting more and more difficult because our families are no longer honoring institutions. And when I say institution, I mean that as, as an honoring place where we honor one another, where we cherish one another more than ourselves. We're growing up selfishly. We're growing up wanting more. We're growing up thinking we deserve. And when you grow up that way, what happens is there comes a time when, when no one serves what you deserved. You get it? And that stuff happens, and then we become frustrated, and we get frustrated in life because no one's honoring me, and we forget the ultimate question, do you honor anyone? Jesus said it like this, greater love hath no man. Greater honor has no man that he would honor another one to the point of his death. Jesus said it this, or Paul said it this way, even though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that proves his love, that proves his cherishing, that proves his honor towards us. You ever honored someone when they didn't deserve it? If you've been in the military, you have. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. Though we were required, right? It's just the way it was back in the day. You, whether they, they deserved it, whether they earned it or not, you, you were told that you will honor this rank, this position. I remember a time in my life when, when I was uh, at, at stationed at Fort Carson, Colorado, and I was getting orders to, to my next station. And after I got my orders, I went in and my lieutenant was in there. And I was leaving. I packed up all my bags. I was taking about three or four days, going to actually swing home and surprise my folks for a day or two and then head on to Fort Huachuca, Arizona. And so while I was leaving uh, Fort Carson, I went into Lieutenant Boyle's office and he was sitting in there and, and I could tell it was really messing with him. He fought to keep me there. And I was a PFC, that's a private first. I was low, 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 man, okay? And I, and I went in there and he got up and he said, all right, private house, you're getting ready to go. Da-da-da-da-da-da. And I, I, I fought these orders, but I didn't win and all this. And he took his lieutenant bars, oh, actually, he took my PFC rank off of my collar, set it on his desk, and he took his lieutenant bars off of himself. He was a first lieutenant, so they were silver, and he pinned those on me. And he said, I'm going to tell you something, young man. You keep going. There's something on you. And he honored me when I didn't deserve it. I was just, I was confused. I was like, should I walk out with these? That's kind of cool. <laughs> give it to me now you know but if you want to know the truth and I'm I'm well out of the the service now I did wear those out and I had everything in my truck and I drove straight to my folks house and my dad's not here this morning but he remembers me walking up on the porch ringing the doorbell and surprising them out on the farm and him opening the door and I'm standing there in my BDUs with lieutenant bars on he's like what happened I said, well, it's not as good as it looks. My pay grade's still PFC. But anyway, right? it feels good to be honored because we're created as vessels in the image of God to be honored. Isaiah chapter 43, he speaks here and says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. This is God speaking. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beast will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. Isn't that interesting that he says jackals and ostriches? I read this and went, a jackal. How does a jackal honor God? He's making a point here. He's saying everything that's created is created in the aspect and with the attribute of honor upon it. 
Jesus speaks of this type of honor when he's talking about you worry about all these things, but look at the lilies in the field. The grass, it grows, it withers, it dies. It all has a purpose, though. And that purpose, the whole creation, is to give honor to the Creator. He goes on to say, For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Now let me talk about declaration of praise. Anytime you're praising something, you're what? Honoring. So he's saying that they might that they might know, understand that I honor them. I'm doing a new thing. You know, this is a foreshadowing of Christ that's going on here in the Old Testament. He's going to do a new thing, and he does a new thing. He reminds the people, the Jews, what he's led them out of. He's saying, hey, I'm leading you out here. I led you out from the desert, but you had water to drink. I was honoring you all the way out. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. See, when we praise something, when we're created for praise, this is what's so powerful when Allison's leading worship, that last song there, if that doesn't just yank your chain, you don't have a chain. Because there is something on that song. I mean, there's no wall he won't tear through, tear out, come and get you. He's honoring you. But we too should have something in our hands that says, Lord God, I honor you. Thank you. Bless you, Lord. See, the virtue of God's kingdom is something that is greatly defined that, that is this. It's a culture of honor. It's, it's what his kingdom is about. Heaven overflows. It's filled with perfect honor for the perfect authority because God is about honor. He teaches us by, by taking and establishing an honoring position first, by honoring us. And then he says, hey, my creation, all creation, including jackals, will honor me. That's how it is. What would it look like here on this earth if we really understood honor? Even in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, it's interesting because I have friends that have gone through an ordination process and are elders in different denominations. I have others that, that have not, that are pastoring very large churches. And, and it's interesting to talk among all of them and, and, and look at, at how they define honor. Some believe that you should honor them because of the degrees that are upon their wall. It's kind of interesting to me. Uh, I'm not opposed to degrees. I wish I had some. Uh, but I would say this, that, that um, there's no humility in that thought. And then, and then when you flip that around and you look at self-ordinance, and they're strutting around saying, well, God called me. So you should honor me. And what we don't realize is that there's something missing when we have to demand honor. And it's called humility. And humility is going to play a, a huge part in how and, and why God created us. To express to the world that we are here to serve, to humble ourselves, to hold everyone in a valuable way, regardless of their position. Regardless of the degrees or the lack thereof, Peter and Paul, what define them? Well, the, the Scripture speaks of them that they appeared as uneducated men, although they had been seen doing what? Walking with Jesus. 
Scripture tells us to walk humbly before the Lord. And as we do that, we honor Him and we'll learn to see things and see the world and see His creation as He called us to see it. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. I started to put the Revelation 5 passage in there. He goes on to talk about this honor, blessing, glory, and honor that, that, that bestowed is bestowed upon the Lord. It's all throughout Scripture, but there is a danger when we don't honor. There's a danger when we demand honor upon ourselves. There's a danger when we walk pride, prideful. There's a huge danger because it's not a part of God's culture. It's not a part of His heavenlies when we are prideful, when we are deceitful, when we, when we take on the things and the ways of this world. Romans chapter 1 verse 21, watch how the Apostle Paul says it. He speaks of this danger. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. Isn't that interesting? See, you will never be thankful if you are not humble. You'll never see what God has given you if you have a prideful heart. So he says they didn't honor God nor give Him thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. What a danger, what a temptation. He said although they once knew God, they did not honor Him. See, there is a danger even in knowing God because we know we are the children of God and sometimes knowing that we are the children of God, we have faith in Jesus. If we're not careful, we'll puff ourselves up. I know more Scripture than you do. I've memorized far more. Now that, that's probably not a true statement, me saying that to to all of you but see it's very easy and we wind up debating scripture and we wind up splitting hairs and we and, and look we're not listening to understand we're just simply listening to reply to show our point to show how smart how strong how educated how knowledgeable we are and that's a dangerous place see we grow and we gain in wisdom by humbly walking with jesus dishonor is is dangerous you know I believe dishonor is, is far more danger, dangerous than disrespect. You ever been disrespected? If you've been disrespected, you know what that feels like. It just makes you mad. That way you just feel like you've been disrespected. And, and disrespect just takes you to a point of anger. It gets you there quickly. But that's just disrespect. That's just when someone disrespects you. When they just say, hey, uh, you're not that great. You're not that good. You didn't really do that. You, you, uh, you know what? You, you may have uh, a wonderful wife, but guess what? Um, I don't like her. You know, things like this, just things that, that people throw out there that are just disrespectful. You know, they don't like the way you dress or they don't wait, like the way you wear your makeup. I don't wear any for that reason, but just kidding. But there are things that, that people feel disrespected and that just creates anger. But there's another venue that, that goes much deeper, that digs out the, the very worst in people. And it's this thing known as dishonor. Because dishonor finally gets to a place of saying, I want nothing to do with you. You don't look like me. You don't talk like me. You don't speak the same language as I do. You're a different color than I am. And I want nothing, no part of you. 
And that's a place that's not just disrespect, that's a place of dishonor. That's a place of putting yourself in a position that is in opposition to God. Because all creation is created to honor, watch, and for honor. For both and. See, it's a sin to assign a value to someone other than what God has said about them. And I must learn to see people through His lens, not a lens of my own. Because the lens of my own says I have the potential to not only disrespect them, but one day to, to assign absolutely no value to them. I prayed for years, years for the Muslim faith. Church, I'm just going to be honest, man, I, I still struggle. I prayed for years. But my prayer was something like this, Lord, your word says vengeance is mine. Do away with them quickly. I was, that, that's saying it kind of nicely. And one day the Lord said, I'm going to send you over. I'm going to show you a little something. And I was like, I don't want to go. But you don't win that argument. And I go over and we meet a man by the name of Mustafa. And, and I'm in a small team and we're allowed to call home the night before we go into this place. And, and we're told that this is, uh, this is a very dangerous tribe. This tribe is, is really dealing with Sharia at the time and, 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 and kind of going through some new changes and some altercations in their own fundamental belief system. No Americans had ever infiltrated this particular tribe. There's 2,500 of them. They put me with a chief. And I, I, I don't speak that language. And I remember even the first night it getting so heated in there, some of the men got so mad they left the room. They kept me in a little bitty box of a room and, and a cement floor with an open window with bars in it. And I was there for, I don't know, 12, 14 days. But, but what I remember is every, every morning I would get up and I would open my Bible and I would sit there with it in my right hand, the place of honor, men and women. Left hand is dishonored, right is honored. And I'd begin to read. And I read my Bible every morning, and Mustafa would open that big metal door, and he would look in there at me, and he would just stare. And I would just keep reading. As a matter of fact, sometimes I'd just start reading aloud. And he'd leave. An hour or so later, he'd come back in, and put some food on the floor, and sit down. And some way, we would try to communicate day in, day out, day in, day out. But what's interesting about the story is a couple of years later, I wind back up in North Africa and I'm, I'm asking about this tribe and they said, oh no, the tribe has fallen way off the map. You'll never be able to, to go back out and see Mustafa. He's now an imam, goes through the whole process of telling me the whys I can't. And, and I wound up my wife and children, we had prayed for Mustafa every night for two years. I'm at this town of about 40,000 people and it's splitting right down the middle and I'm watching because it's, it's uh, 
It's the time where they brought everything into market, all the local tribes. And so it's just packed full of 40,000 people. I'm watching this crowd of van drives in the middle of them, and the crowd starts to part. And I see six of them step out of a white van, and they're walking, and the crowd's parting. And number three in that is Mustafa. Had driven 20 miles across the desert. He's there at market. And so I push through the people. I reach out, and I grab Mustafa, which I found out later you don't do. But that's a whole nother story in itself. And so he spun around and he grabs me by the collar and he goes, Basu, Basu, Basu. And he kisses me on, the, on both cheeks, you know, and I, I don't know. I do the best I can with what I've got. <laughs> but he honored me and he invited me to the tribe that night. And I went back out to the tribe and we had a translator and the translator's there with us. And, and he says, uh, you know, I, I can't believe we're, we're back out here. And he tells Mustafa this. He says, hey, uh, uh, well, actually, I, Mustafa brought his daughter out. She's 18 days old, all wrapped up and handed her to him, which I was never allowed to see his family in the first trip, any of them. And he handed this little girl to me, and he asked me to bless her. And he said, this man, he practices his faith. I saw him every day practicing his faith. And as I held that little baby, he wanted me to pray. And I said, well, tell him I'm about to pray for in Jesus' name. So he tells him, and he goes on to tell Mustafa, he, Curtis and his family have prayed for you every night for two years. And he starts weeping. Now, this isn't a mom. And God said, you might ought to start seeing people through my eyes. <laughs> Mustafa took me outside, interlaced his fingers with my fingers, and took me to a cosball sitting right next to his that he had built for his son. He put his hand on me and he told the people this is for him and his family. They're going to move there. I was like, y'all better tell him I'm not coming. But, you know, he was honoring me. And I had the opportunity to honor him back just through prayer. Just through asking God to give me a different lens because I struggle here in this realm. We all have struggles. We all have the potential to dishonor, to to see people as less than what God has created them to be. You know, three truths I want to I, I go through quickly about honor. First, honor cherishes the holy. Now, when I say holy, that's a church word. And, and if you're not used to church or anything else, let me just, just tell you what holiness is. Holiness means that it's set apart for God's purpose. And we, as part of His creation, have been set apart for God's holy purpose. God sees us as holy because He created us, right, in His image, and He is holy. He has set us apart for His purpose. So He cherishes this. So what God assigns a value to, that's what it is. He assigned it. I didn't do anything to qualify. I said yes to Jesus. Because of that, I'm qualified as holy. I don't feel holy. I don't look holy. The older I get, I'm like, is that the same guy in the mirror? I don't know. I don't feel holy, right? Old scars show up. All kinds of stuff. You, you, you just start asking questions, but it doesn't change the value that God has assigned to us as being set apart for His purpose. God says that our marriages are to be holy. You know why? Do you know why we, we say honor and cherish her as long as we both shall live? 
You know why we, we answer that question? It's because God has set marriage aside as what? The basic unit of the church. Why do you think Satan, the devil, the enemy, whatever you want to call him, attacks marriages so much? Because it's the basic unit of the church. Baptism, communion, wedding, the church, those are created as vessels of holiness for holiness. We are reminded in Leviticus, God says, so be holy as I am holy. If you read Leviticus 11.45, says this, says, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Some of us read this verse, and this is how we interpret it. I've got you out of your mess, now straighten up. Look at that. That's, is it up there? Yeah, so some of you read that, and, 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 and you interpret that as though it says these words, I've got you out of your mess, now straighten up. But this is what the Lord's saying. I am the one who rescued you to set you apart for me. It, it comes across completely different when, when you begin to see it as God wrote it. He says, hey, I rescued you and I set you apart for me, for my purpose. When God calls it holy, he's established its value. And there are moments and people that he has set aside for himself that he has esteemed as highly valuable. For me to treat a person or something in a way that degrades the honor that God assigns to them, watch this, is sin. And sin is in opposition to God. Do unto others as what? I hope you know that. If you don't, I don't remember. Just kidding. Do unto others as you'd have them what? Do unto you. See, our bodies are meant to be vessels of holiness. The temple of the Holy Spirit resides in us. And so, so here's the thing. If the temple of the Holy Spirit, if God resides, He's chosen us as His temple, then He has definitely set us aside for His plan and His purpose in our life. We are called into holiness. The second thing I would say this is honor attracts the favor of God. Honor attract. If you can honor others, you are attracting the favor of God on your life. True statement. Now I've got 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10, and I wish I didn't, but I do. So let's, let's look at it real quick. Jabez was honorable above his brothers, but his mother named him Jabez, which means this. It means sorrow maker saying, because I bore him in pain. So here's a mother who labeled a child from his very birth. He, he caused me a lot of pain. When that boy came out, I'm talking about he's a 10-pounder. He's a sorrow maker. Unfortunately, this is what happens sometimes is we label people differently than what God would have labeled them. So Jabez cried to the God of Israel, and this is what he's saying, I want you to break this chain in me, this, this place of pain in me. I know I caused pain on my mother. I didn't mean to. I was being born, but I don't want to stay in this place. I don't want to stay with this name. And so he cries out to the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and you would keep me from evil so it might not hurt me. And God granted his request. See, Jabez, he was labeled sorrow maker. 
He was dishonored, yet becomes more honorable, watch this, than all of his brothers. Because God honored him. When I can embrace a godly culture of honor in my beliefs and my behavior, it attracts God's favor. And then finally, the third point, which I wished I would have made this the first point. Honor begins with humility. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. And before honor comes humility. You cannot honor anyone without first humbling yourselves before them. Think on this with me. I mean, if you are to honor your wife, most of us know, most men, when they come to my office, they know a particular scripture. They know, they know Ephesians uh, 519. They, they, they can jump right in there and say, well, I know this. <coughs> she is to honor me wives honor or respect your husbands as unto the lord isn't that interesting you know i told you this before but i had a woman once tell me if he acted like the lord i'd respect him but he got no character of jesus whatsoever right but do you know what ephesians five twenty says you know what the next verse says therefore honor one another and then he gets on the man and he says you better wash her you better present her in a worthy manner in a worthy way same thing with the church he makes a correlation between marriage and the church it's all dealing with honor jesus did it this way he showed up had the disciples come over and meet with him and as they're sitting around the table you remember jesus he stands up and he places a towel around his waist and he kneels down and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Gets to Peter and Peter says, ah, you're not going to do that with me. It's my job to honor you. But see, our God is an honoring God. And Peter goes on to say, hey, I, I, I don't, don't, don't even touch my feet. It's my job to wash yours. I'm, I am unclean. And Jesus said, no, it's, this is, this is, it must be so. You won't understand honor unless you understand me. The Father's heart. And so, so Peter goes, well, then wash all of me. He said, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I just need to wash your feet, Peter. Settle down. <laughs> Calm down. I got this. I'm the Lord. I'm God. I created all this, even the jackals. <laughs> so Revelation 5, 13, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne, the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever i love that our god is saying everything that i created will honor me but i have honored it and i will continue to honor it and that happens through humility philippians chapter 2 you remember the scripture paul reminds us that jesus did not consider equality with god he didn't see seek equality even with the angels. He lowered himself even below the angels to come to this earth in humility, in honor. That's what he's called us to do. When I embrace honor as the virtue, the, as the virtue of the culture of heaven, I'm creating heaven on earth. And this is what the world needs to see. The body of Christ is different. Here's one of the virtues that's different. It's we are honoring 
we honor others. Watch, we even honor non-believers. We serve them. We, 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 we serve. We, we look to reach out. We look to have compassion for what God has compassion for, and that is all of His creation. Church, would you please stand? A couple things happen when you come forward for prayer. One of the things that happens when we come forward for prayer is we honor God because we're saying, I can't do this life in my own strength, in my own fervor, with my own ambitions. We come forward surrendering ourselves, humbling ourselves, and as we humble ourselves, God is then put in work in our lives, put at work in our lives. And so it gives the opportunity to come and to be prayed for, to humble ourselves, to come forward and let Jesus be on His throne. But there's another thing that happens when you come forward. It is humbling ourselves one and to another. It's saying, hey, I believe that this person's prayer is going to strengthen me and strengthen my walk, and they have a word for me, a word of God. So we want to provide that opportunity here. It's part of the altar team's responsibility to honor you, to build you up, to equip the saints. And that's what we're going to do here this morning. If you need prayer for anything, let us honor you and know that in coming forward, you're honoring God. I'm not after anyone here. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not the preacher that says, hey, sing that just as I am one more time. If God's put it on your heart then know we're here for you. Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you for honoring us. May we truly be a church that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen.